You are listening to Open Science Talk, the podcast about, well, open science. This is episode 8, and today we are talking about the Declaration on Research Assessment, also known as the DURA Declaration. We would like to know what it is and what follows when your institution have signed this declaration. Today's guest is Deputy Vice-Chancellor of Research at UIT, the Arctic University of Norway, Kenneth Grut. Kenneth Rud, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. So I've invited you here to talk about the DURA declaration and how it is being implemented at our university. So let's start off with talking about what is the DORA declaration and why do we need it? So uh, originally this uh, comes from a meeting in the American uh, Society of Cell Biology where they back in 2012 uh, had a meeting involving both researchers and journal editors and they all uh, expressed a certain concern that uh, journal impact factors starting started to have uh, quite a prominent place in the way researchers were being evaluated. And uh, on both sides, then, both from the editors and from the researchers, there was a certain concern that this perhaps started to dominate the way one evaluated the, uh, the work of young researchers. So that motivated uh, this declaration, which basically uh, says two things. First of all, it's the quality of the work itself that is the key Uh, factor when you're evaluating researchers. And also you should look at uh, other aspects than just um, the publications itself. So if you are, for instance, in computer science, then also your contribution through software and so on should also be part of the total evaluation of your qualifications for a position, for instance, or for a grant. So, so uh, what were the agreements in the declaration? Well, basically, this was uh, saying that uh, um, it's not the channel of your publication, so where you publish, but rather the quality of your publication itself, uh, as well as that you should look more broadly at your competence than just your um, uh, sci- uh, the, the, the thing that is um, um, visible through the, your publications. So uh, how has the signing of the declaration been uh, been? Um Uh, received? Uh, I think it varies a bit from uh, community to community and uh, it has a reasonable, uh, reasonably large number of signatures now, uh, both in terms of institutions and in terms of individual researchers. How, so how should uh, our university, UIT, implement this? Uh, it's one thing to sign the, the declaration, but uh, it's another thing to actually go through with it. Absolutely. Uh, so, so basically, where we are today is that we are uh, we have gone through all our um, uh, rules and regulations to identify points where we basically assess the scientific quali- uh, qualifications of a researchers, and then seen how do we need to change or, or uh, perhaps emphasize the principles by which we will evaluate. Uh, Uh, researchers applying to positions at our university or in the cases where we distribute research funding. And basically, the three um, areas where we see that we need to do changes is in the hiring processes. In a sense, we do there already uh, focus on that we should evaluate the uh, qualifications, the total qualifications of all candidates. But we will now emphasize that we have to follow the DORA declarations uh, guidelines. So meaning we will not 
our committees are not supposed to look at journal impact factors uh, in making that assessment. We also see that uh, we have certain um, uh, rules regarding uh, sabbaticals where we look at um, a very Norwegian thing in terms of a, a publication indicator that also actually are, um, is based on saying that some channels are have a higher impact than others and that there we need to do some changes. And finally, when we distribute funding uh, within our university, we also need to, to look at um, uh, making sure that when we do the assessment of which uh, research projects could get the funding, that we do this by the merit of the project and the research involved and not where they have published their research. I'm guessing that there's a challenge here in in uh, or it's a lot of time consuming to actually evaluate the content of uh, of these publications uh, within the university. How how do you do that? Well, uh, that is, that is correct, and uh, and uh, at the same time, I mean, when you ask researchers what how do they want to be evaluated, this is really based on on a total assessment of uh, a person's qualifications. So basically, Dora is. Uh, putting in writing what every researcher wants to happen. Having said this, for instance, when we look at when we hire uh, researchers, uh, it's uh, since they often then within a rather narrow field, you have fairly similar traditions in terms of say citations and uh, uh, and these kinds of things. So so I would say that if you need to do a quick assessment, you can still do this by by personalized metrics. But also as as I mentioned also other uh, factors than than um, than publications alone. So yes, it will be, as I said, I, I think it's basically putting in writing what we hope the committees are doing and, and just emphasizing uh, emphasizing uh, this. So of course, what we, will, what we identify as one of the most critical challenges, of course, one thing is that we will, we put this in writing, you should not look at impact factors and you should look more broadly than just publications. We still need to find a way to ensure that the committees actually do this, and that, and that is a bit of a, uh, a challenge, in particular since the culture is quite different in different uh, fields of research. Uh, the way we think uh, we can handle this is that, in particular for positions, there is always an in- internal member of the committee that works at our university, so basically training that person, giving very clear instructions on how to um, um, give our guidelines into the work of the committee, we think that is the way forward. So we have, a, in a sense, a much easier job than, say, the Research Council uh, when they are going to implement DORA because they have fully external committees, whereas we have at least one internal member that can, can, uh, by which we can communicate with the committee. But in Norway, you also have a system where you, um, where you base your fundings on, on the publication indicators. Um, is this at all uh, compatible with the DOA declaration? In my mind, it, it is not, uh, simply because you, know, you give uh, more value uh, to certain publication channels and not necessarily the quality of the publications. So I have advocated that I think this, uh, it's fine that we have a a publication indicator, and in particular that we have channels that are we know are of uh, ensure scientific quality, but this um, this uh, ranking of uh, publications based on where they publish, I think that will have to go. And I know that the the Ministry of Research are thinking about this, although no conclusion has been reached yet. But if uh, it continues, uh, how can you how can you um on the one hand, uh, go with DORA, and on the other hand, uh, stay with the same system of uh, funding. 
Uh, yeah, this will be very challenging. And I can say, although, although uh, already today, um, <clears throat> it's although we can ensure applicants to our university that we will assess you based on your qualifications and not on where you published. Of course, it's still hard for me to tell our young researchers don't look at uh, the journal impact factor if they, for instance, are aiming for a job abroad. So a full transformation here will only happen when everybody uh, agrees that these are the principles by which we want to evaluate researchers. And there is a lot of work on this. The, the European University Association is setting up a full metric in terms of open evaluations on the many dimensions that actually constitute a research job and which you may want to be evaluated on. And then also trying to put this guideline in place that you focus on the quality of the work and not necessarily the channel. But, uh, but this is, uh, we are in a transition phase. Uh, so it is hard to give very clear gui uh, guidance to young researchers. Uh, we hope this will improve soon. Um, so one of the main criticism of uh, the Doha Declaration is that the system of impact factor is, um, it's just being used wrong. Uh, so, so uh, having this declaration kind of is throwing the baby out with the bathwater uh, instead of fixing how you interpret the system. Well, uh, I mean, if you uh, there are a number of studies that shows that um, in terms of the uh, so first, I think it's important to say that the the impact factor is a very particular metric. It 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 um, it measures the average number of citations of publications in a journal in the first two years of the publication. So it's very short-term impact. So that's one point. Uh, it's also such that when you look at the citation um, distribution of most journals, it is quite similar. So all journals, also those with a high impact factor and those with a low impact factor, uh, the tail of articles that get few or no citations the first two years is quite long. So, so in a sense, it's a it's a very bad proxy for the quality of a work to use the the journal impact factor. Uh, you also so 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 it is. Um, uh, uh, I mean, it's an easy metric, and of course, we like to think um, that um, journals with a high impact factor have more rigorous uh, review processes, or that they are more are better at assessing the the truly impactful work. But there are studies that show that, um, uh, to some extent, these journals also become slightly risk averse, that the, that the really groundbreaking results are not published in these journals, rather they are rejected, put to another journal, where they then, in many cases, uh, actually, or not in many cases, but they, uh, often actually get a higher citation than the impact factor of, of the journal to which it was first submitted. Uh, so one of the themes that we are constantly going over is quality, which is a huge, um, huge factor when when you evaluate uh, publications. So how would uh, would you measure uh, some sort of scientific quality um, without uh, using the publications and uh, and the impact factor there? First of all, I think we have to agree that although we like to think that quality in scientific publications is an absolute measure, it is not. Um, uh, so you can you can still without looking at journal impact factor you can look at the number of citations of a given article that in a sense shows the uptake in the society so it it basically gives uh, a certain um, um, yeah assessment of that particular work but even that is complicated and you will miss truly insightful work 
by using citations, at least unless you wait for a very, very long time. A typical example, uh, for instance, is the Metropolis algorithm that uh, was published back in the uh, mid-60s. Uh, today, it's on the top 50 most cited articles, but that didn't really start. The citation didn't really start to come until the mid-80s, so 20 years later. And why? Because that's when we got computers. And before that, the algorithm had little practical use. So, so, so I think we also have to realize there is um, no absolute standard. So you can also say that what journal impact factor or citations give you is an unbiased assessment of quality, because if you have a committee member, it can quickly be that also um, um, personal preferences, personal interest, personal knowledge will affect the way quality is assessed. Um, uh, so, so I do believe, uh, and that's why also what the Dora Declaration says is that you should look at more broadly at the work you have done and how, how, what impact that has had both to the scientific community and outside in order to get a full, um, um, as best as possible uh, assessment of the quality of a researcher. Uh, so um, the Dora Declaration, uh, how do you assess it? Um, I'm guessing that in, in many fields it is quite radical, but how do you assess it in, in, in the road to open access and to changing the system? Is it a, is it a game changer? Uh, I would say that uh, we, we talked a little bit about that, how many are signed this, and there is a fair number of signatories, but to what extent it's actually used in daily practice, uh, it's not still, still not clear to me. So, so I wouldn't say it is a game changer per se, but it sends a strong message, just like the Leiden Manifesto, that also touches upon some of these things. But I think if we are to succeed with the transition from uh, the current subscription-based models into an open access model, I, I think we need the DORA declaration because otherwise, if certain channels, and in particular those that are subscription-based, have a, uh, are given more prominence in terms of evaluating researchers or, or when evaluating um, research projects, then we will never be able to make the transition into open access. So, um do you think that the DORA declaration is perfect? Is there some things there that, even though you've signed, uh, there are some things that you uh, would uh, would see change uh, over time? So the DORA declaration is a, is a principle uh, for how to assess. And I said, basically, focus on the work itself and more than just scientific publication. So so in a sense, I, I, don't, uh, I think the DORA declaration is... Um, it covers what researchers want to be part of an assessment of their research project or of themselves when they apply for a position. But of course, it doesn't give any guidelines. It just says some general principles. And this is, uh, and that's where, for instance, the Leiden Manifesto gives some more specific uh, suggestions for what you should look at. Uh, the European University Association is working on this metric where they are currently, as far as I understand, have 21 different dimensions that could be part of an assessment. Uh, so, so there are work ongoing that, in a sense, gives you the uh, tool for implementing the principles of the DORA Declaration. I'm guessing that one of the challenges that follows uh, the DORA Declaration is getting um, uh, scholars to actually publish open access. How, how is that work uh, going along um, uh, here at the UIT? Uh, well, UIT, we are... Um, We've been doing reasonably well, I would say, 
but uh, but at the same time but that's in a in a sense comparative in a national scale but we have been at uh, something like uh, 30% of green and gold open access in total uh, we had a rather significant increase uh, so we reached 60% last year, but that was more because the research council started indicating that, well, it's we require that all the work that we fund uh, has to be published open access, green or gold. And otherwise, we will start looking into the funding of these research projects. And that helped motivate researchers quite a lot. Um, Planus is, of course, now uh, uh, coming in terms of the implementation soon, and that will be possibly also be a, a big motivator in terms of uh, turning our researchers to open access. But I, I think uh, I think there are large variation between different fields, uh, all depending on the culture in these fields on, 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 on these aspects. Do you have any timelines for uh, when the UIT should have applied the Dole Declaration uh, to its full uh, extent? Uh, so as I said, now what we have done is that we have identified the uh, the um, areas where we need to do changes. Uh, this has now been communicated to our faculties. Uh, we assume that this will be uh, implemented uh, also at the faculty and department levels uh, during the spring. And then comes the challenging part in sense of um, seeing whether it's actually being applied in practical use. And I said uh, we will uh, look into ways of training in committee members and so on. Um, but uh, truly knowing what happens in a committee when they do the assessment, that is uh, really hard. But we will do our best to so that applicants to our university can feel safe in knowing that it's the quality of their work that they will be assessed on. Kenneth Rud, uh, thank you for uh, being on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Hi, everybody. To read more on the topics we discuss and to read the full declaration, go to our blog, opensciencetalk.com. And if you have gotten this far in this episode, it means you are interested in open science, so you should definitely sign up for our newsletter. This podcast is made by the University Library at UIT, the Arctic University of Norway. Thanks for listening.